The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. O Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. As you've probably figured out, today is the day of Pentecost. (laughs) Every year, it's it's just amazing to hear the variety and number of languages that are represented in this parish. So thank you to all who who speak and to Gaylord for organizing it. Thank you, Gaylord. We also know it's Pentecost because some of us are wearing red. And the altar is brilliantly arrayed in this marvelous uh, hanging and the flowers and the pulpit, the pulpits hanging all are red to remind us of the fire that we heard about in the Acts reading this morning. Pentecost ends the great 50 days of Easter. It comes one week before Trinity Sunday, our namesake feast, which in turn kicks off the long stretch of time in the church year known as Ordinary Time which lasts until Advent, which prepares us for Christmas, as you know. Pentecost is the third of the three great mysteries in our faith, the first being Christmas, the second being Easter, and the third being Pentecost. Godly play speaks of them as the three great mysteries of the church year, if you have younger ones who may have heard it that way, described that way in church school. These mysteries are so great that they each need a special period of the church year to prepare us for them. Advent prepares us for Christmas, Lent prepares us for Easter, and the great 50 days of Easter prepare us for Pentecost. And yet, I bet none of us is checking our watches to see if we're going to get home before that roast Burns because we've got a big bunch of people coming over to our house for Pentecost dinner. <laughs> or we're not uh, 
worrying about getting those Pentecost baskets ready in time with those Pentecost eggs and the Pentecost bunnies. Or we probably weren't frantically shopping at the last minute for that special Pentecost gift during those Pentecost season sales. Probably none of us have been engaged in any of that activity. Well, why is that? I think I know why. It's because it's about the Holy Spirit. Sunday before last, I spoke a bit about the Holy Spirit and and some of her characteristics. The way she strengthens and the way she encourages and defends and works through the midst of messes, bringing strength and order where there may not appear to be any. Our readings today emphasize another characteristic, set of characteristics, I would say. And that's that she's unsettling. She's dispersing. She's unnerving. She's disorienting. She pushes us to move out from ourselves. Way out, sometimes. Beyond our comfort zones. It's really hard to build a good holiday around an unsettling event that we cannot predict or control and that pushes us out of ourselves. Historically, the Acts reading and the Genesis reading have been paired together on Pentecost in the church year. And at first glance, it's not hard to see why. The Acts story seems like a reversal of the Genesis story. In Genesis, God disperses an arrogant humanity that was getting too big for its britches. And in Acts, God, through the Holy Spirit, brings that family back together. But it's not really that simple. Perhaps these stories are more alike than not. And these similarities, I would say, speak to the Holy Spirit and her power to unsettle, to disorient, and to get us out into the world into places we may not choose to go. A traditional interpretation of the Tower of Babel story has been of punishment. We heard a little bit of that way of thinking in the introduction to the reading this morning. But there's a different way to look at this passage. In the Jewish tradition of Midrash, which is the tradition of using playfully our imagination to interpret biblical passages thinking and wondering and imagining what's going on between the spaces of the text. And in this line of thinking, one commentator suggests that instead of punishing humanity, God is actually pushing humanity out into the world so that they can reach their potential, our potential. If they insist on building up, they won't be able to go out into the world to co-create with God, to work in the creation that God has given us to work with. So in this thinking, God was getting humanity back on track to be fruitful and multiply over the face of the earth. Not what they wanted. God is the great unsettler, knocking us out of our cozy patterns. And in the Acts passage, we meet the disciples all gathered in one place. They're not sure what to do or where to go. 
except that Jesus had told some of them to go to Jerusalem and wait there for the power that will come from on high. Then you'll know what to do. So they're waiting. And then the Spirit explodes into the scene. And Jews from across the ancient world who were in Jerusalem to celebrate their ancient feast of Pentecost, they were there from all over the diaspora, places where Jews had been scattered. They're back in Jerusalem. And amazingly, they hear this good news in languages that they can understand. They're native languages. Now, they simply couldn't sit still. And they moved out. And the book of Acts is the story of that moving out. And indeed, the scripture is the story of that moving out. And indeed, we are part of that moving out even 2,000 later, 2,000 years later, today. Now, we know from scripture and from our own experience that the spirit is not always so explosive, fortunately. Sometimes things are very quiet and intimate. But both in those intimate ways, I would say, and in those explosive ways, often, often we're pushed into areas that test our flexibility, that test our stamina, that test our self-understanding, that test our understanding of the way life is supposed to work. And this morning, with the baptism of Paloma, we're reminded that what could be more disorienting than a new baby? Am I right? Completely helpless and yet totally in control. (laughs) Full of surprises, upending our lives, and yet also so clearly a work of God, of the movement of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit afoot in the world, shaping, nudging, coaxing, challenging, bringing joy and satisfaction. Perhaps some of us are in a time of discernment or disorientation where a change may be at hand. Maybe it's a change in a relationship or a change in work situation or a change in living situation. Perhaps a very unsettling time. I came across this quote a number of years ago, and I may have shared it with you a number of years ago as well. It still speaks, I think. And the quote goes like this. When the Holy Spirit is doing a deep work in our lives, our outside life falls apart. We seem only to have enough energy to focus on our inner worlds. We can't seem to walk and chew gum at the same time. But when the inner work is done, our outside life comes back to order. And not only does it come back to order, it becomes infused and expanded by the new light and life of the Spirit of God within us. The quote ends there. The Spirit is pushing us out into the world, into a new place where God wants us to go for the good of others, but also, I would say, for the good of ourselves. For sure, God wants us to go out into the world and do all kinds of things that we're gifted to do. But I think God also has in mind a blessing for us when the Spirit is at work. It might not be immediately obvious what that blessing is, but I believe the Spirit has that in mind for each one of us when the Spirit's at work 
pushing us out. We're also being built up inside. It's pretty clear why Pentecost hasn't built up the same kind of celebration as the great mysteries of Easter and Christmas because the Holy Spirit just will not be tamed in that way. Her activity is countercultural, and the engines of commerce have not figured out a way to harness her for profit. We in the church are free to honor her without cultural or commercial baggage. So let us go forth into the world, rejoicing in the power of the untamable, unmasterable, building up, strengthening Holy Spirit. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia.